suicide story I read about was this a crime, compulsion, choice? Was suicide a courageous act or cowardly exit? And maybe the most fundamental question, why does one commit suicide while another one doesn't? Here, There Is No Moon is an attempt to answer these questions. homeless he wasn't he wasn't addicted to, to any substances he had been working in a nonprofit and, and struggling with a lot of issues in his life which had ultimately brought him to that point and uh, he was he was grateful that it that it hadn't uh, taken his life but um, you could tell that the, the challenge of continuing remained for him sir hey open your eyes for me open your eyes for me Fernando open your eyes Open your eyes all, all the way. Well, yeah, you got the family. All the way, um, there we go. And, you know, you're there, you're wanting to do everything to bring them back. Um, Fernando, squeeze my hand. You know, it just didn't work out. Squeeze. And you're trying to explain, or someone's trying to explain to right here. what's going on, but you don't want to give them that false uh, sense of, of hope. Um, because a lot of times, it, when you transport, when you drive away, they're thinking, oh, well, you know, there's that chance, everything's going to be great. Um, everything's going to turn around, which reality, nine times out of ten, you know, it's, it's probably not going to work out. I took a pint of scotch, and I was going to go up into the woods, and it was at night, and I said, I'm going to take my life. It is just too painful. My heart, my soul, my mind is just swirling. I have memories of my father, the abuse. It was late night. And I went to one of the the highest bridges in uh, Cairo. Then I walked to the middle of the bridge and I decided to jump from the bridge to the river. And in my life at that point, she was half on the I beam, half off the I beam. I asked her if, uh, if she was okay, and then I I wasn't too sure what to do. So as she got closer, I reached through the bars and I grabbed her hand, and I pulled her against the bar, put my feet up so that she couldn't let go, so that way she couldn't get away from me, and I, and I told her that we could talk. I didn't see that there was a way out, that there was no more hope. He was, he was grateful that he, hadn't, that he hadn't died, but at the same time, I think he was also deeply ambivalent and torn about the challenge of, of continuing living. And uh, they come in unconscious. They come in screaming about the voices in their head. In the end, you start to wonder about it all, about suicide, deciding whether to go or stay. I think it's important that the point be made that it is a problem that spans all ages, both genders, and all kinds of people. It's seen as something to be ashamed of, it's seen as a sign of weakness, it's seen as a as a characterological flaw, and it's none of those. It's part of the human condition, it's a health problem, and in situations like the Golden Gate Bridge, the failure of having uh, a barrier is, is truly a public health failure. If we had a if we had an intersection, a traffic intersection where over 1,200 people had been killed, you can be certain that 
changes would be made to prevent future deaths. But there's nothing really to stop the impulsive, despondent person from jumping. There are magnets in uh, in major uh, cities uh, that are uh, bridges or gorges. Uh, there's a gorge in Ithaca, New York, uh, near Cornell, uh, that is known as a jump site. Uh, the Eiffel Tower in Paris has always been a, a magnet. Uh, there is uh, there are sites in Japan. There are sites really all over the world that are uh, sort of uh, sirens. They draw people to them either because of their beauty, because of their renown. Uh, because of uh, some symbolic meaning they may have to the suicidal mind. Well, I went into the lake to drown myself a couple of times when I've tried to commit suicide. Um, when when things just overwhelm you, and even though you have even though you have five children that you love, you just can't quite make it. This is it. I'm gonna do it. I'll be dead. Everything will be okay. I'm just going to do this and everyone will be okay. So you think you'll end it and then in the process of ending it, you realize that you can't go through with it because there's too much out there that, that you want and that need you. And I wrote a suicide letter to my parents, to my best friend and my girlfriend at the time. I went out to the Golden Gate Bridge. I was on the bridge for a good 30, 40 minutes, just crying my eyes out. I walked into the water, and it was a, a warm southern lake. It was funny. This woman comes up to me and asks me to take her picture, and she couldn't even see that I was in so much pain. She just... And so I took her picture, and at that point, I thought, okay, nobody cares. And I hurled over the rail. There's this sensation of sinking into pity, into paralysis, back into bed. Things known are swallowed by night. Here, there is no moon. It was an overcast day in San Francisco. It was a dark day for me. It was a real dark day for me. I'm ending my life on purpose. It's just, it, it was sad. Well, I was pregnant and I was about to have a baby, the fifth child, and uh, I became I husband. very sick mentally. I was paranoid, I was depressed. Didn't act manic. like he loved me because he was running around and after other women. I was on 13 women. pills a day for the depression. Um, and they only seemed child. worse. And, um, and um, life without a husband to help me. I had a, I had a great life. A beautiful, wonderful parents. I had a brother and a sister who loved me dearly. I got a lot of roses from that man during my last few years with him, um, but the roses, they didn't help. Um, it was over. I'm this guy on the bridge crying, you know? My life was picture perfect in everybody else's eyes. But it had happened so many times that uh, instead of getting immune to it, it was just building up to a point where I didn't think I could return anymore and be myself. I was falling head first, seven second fall, no time to think. It's like hitting a brick wall. Because what happens is you're going so fast that you stop. You just, for less than a second, you stop when you hit that water. I mean, dead stop. And the vacuum sucks you under the water. One cannot perceive the rise and fall of day. It's not surprising, really. 
is lost. Movement through time becomes undisciplined. One cannot hurry, for one is unable to hurry. One could fall, you might say, from the steps. But living in darkness, movement need not be limited by shadows. Still, exploration feels treacherous. Roughly um, a quarter to one third of all uh, very lethal uh, suicidal people uh, become so on impulse. The uh, length of time between the first thought of taking their lives and actually acting uh, maybe as little as five minutes. Uh, and so there is uh, data that if one can interrupt that impulsive action, uh, there is opportunity for change of mind, for intervention, for uh, a change of circumstance so that uh, the impulse passes and obviously then there's time to work on any underlying issues that will prevent the impulse from coming back. Have you ever thought that maybe it, you don't want to go on with life or, or that this is too much to handle? It, it's actually asking about people's thoughts of suicide and you don't have to ask that word. They just want to be held sometimes so being vulnerable to them and just allowing them to express whatever emotions that they feel right at that time try to listen as much as possible to what they may say um, that they know that you really are there just to care and to listen and I was hearing voices I mean not like not not my conscious but actual voices in my head telling me you have to die you're not good enough Falling off you. cliffs and, and I dreams that when I'm on the bridge and I jumped off the bridge in a dream and the water was like right there <laughs> and the voices were really winning and um, and I just uh, went in way over my head and I was treading water and I just suddenly saw all the children that I'd had who were still alive and waiting for me at home and I there's there's a very strange thing that gets into people's thinking and it's so recurrent in humans that we are the only ones you know I must be a bad person because I don't know how to handle this finding someone else who is in fact experiencing it or has experienced it in the past who can say yeah I felt like that too it doesn't have to be the solution it can just be sitting with a person whether it's by phone or in person who has been there I've I guess I've always had a heart for those that are going through trouble and my heart is always hurt from when when people are hurting um, I don't know if I come in as a chaplain I don't know if I come in as an officer I just come in as an individual that really cares and I want to give them some hope so you think you'll end it and in the process of ending it you realize life without a husband to help me and the thought of Raising another child didn't matter that I had a new baby. It was just that I had been rejected. I think that's what got to me more than anything. It was just more than I could bear. There is life after after disasters that the life can be put back together. The real thing and is the compassion uh, hope and being there with somebody and, and together trying to explore the strength to, to go on and meet the next moment. Oh, the next there are hour, so many the next needs day. out there. 
There are so many needs. And eventually, someday, it might get better. So I'm running out of air. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to drown. I didn't die, but now I'm going to drown. I don't want to drown. That's, that's a horrible way to die. I didn't realize my injuries yet, but I was, I was in a lot of pain. Really cold from the water. I mean, that's some cold water. And then a fish went by my leg, and I just knew this isn't a dream. This is real. I just jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, and I, and I survived. With regard to the transcendent nature of, of jumping and the, the notion of that, uh, that it's almost a, a, a free-floating, slow-motion experience going to the water, even though it's a matter of, uh, of a very f- a few number of seconds, uh, obviously, um, there are very few survivors who can report to us what the experience is like. You have to understand, it's, a, it's about a 240-foot drop. That's like 25 stories of a building. You hit about 120 miles per hour. You do the math. You hit about 120 miles per hour. It's insane. I, I just paddled so hard, I, I got to the surface. I just swam back to the shore, and uh, it was over. And about two minutes later, the, the Coast Guard came, picked me up, took me out of the water, and they um, did surgery on my back and saved my life. And I weathered it. And I'm very happy now. It's just, and I have a whole. It's just so amazing. If you say, if you look at me, and, and lots of positive three years ago, and I don't, you look at me now. I don't retrogress into this moves now. I've like come I so a, a really long way, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. Years with him. So you, you climb out of the water, and you get on the sand, and you dry yourself off, and you put your clothes on, and you've passed that that point. The notion that thwarting a method now will only lead to a suicide by another method or another bridge or another whatever a day or two or a week from now uh, it's just not supported by the data I, I get scared sometimes I get scared that uh, you know what if I try something like that again I'm not going to be honest with you I'm not going to lie I mean I promised myself and I promised my parents and I promised my loved ones I'd never do nothing like that again but you know, you never know what happens on any given day. Crisis support services. Hello? This is crisis support services. Okay, if you want, you can call back. There comes that time when the phone call ends because both the the crisis has de-escalated and the person can safely go on with the rest of their day. And there's always that feeling of what's going to happen when this person hangs up the phone. And that uncertainty is one of the things that you sit with in this line of work. But it's interesting, the things that sometimes keep people going. I remember talking to a 
a person who called me and they most calls are not this dramatic but literally said I I have a gun in my hand and I don't know what I'm going to do and we talked for probably two hours and at the end of the the call the person put the gun down because she had two children and she needed to go put her kids to bed and it was something as kind of mundane and everyday as that which kept her going a courageous act a cowardly exit cruel judgment of a lover's inadequacy or a parent's mistakes crime compulsion or choice Many people come in and say, I just don't know if I can go on. And some may say it directly. I'm a psychiatrist, I ask directly, uh, are you suicidal? And people will say, I'm thinking about it. And you hear expressions of helplessness and hopelessness. And that certainly is, of course, depression. Depression is the number one indicator of uh, suicide. Teens have come in. Drugs, cuttings, pills. We can see it in their eyes. They talk about websites they go to, dark and bloody sites featuring postings that encourage hurting yourself. Teenagers who I, I do see, uh, they usually have expressed it somehow through action. The teenage uh, girl that has decided to slash her wrist, cut it. Superficial, but definitely. Uh, they express it that way. Women tend to internalize and they will, they will talk about how bad they feel, including somatically. This pain, that pain that the doctors can't do anything about. They'll express it that way and women will try this medicine and that medicine and women tend to take overdoses. Older men tend to drink heavily, try to get everything out of their mind. And their suicides are more in action ways, jumping, shooting, etc. Hey, hey, the task force will be reviewing other municipal transportation options in the weeks ahead. In other news, an Oregon man who walked away virtually unharmed from a plunge over Niagara Falls this past weekend said he had been suicidal, but the experience made him want to live. The comments of Brian Russell contradict statements from authorities suggesting Russell was simply a daredevil, the latest in a long line who sought to conquer Niagara Falls over the last century. Russell, 40, was released from the hospital into police custody and taken to the Niagara Falls Regional Police Station. In a telephone interview with Canadian Broadcast News, Russell said that initially he did not want to go on living when he climbed over a guardrail and dove into the churning Niagara River. But he concluded his interview with reporters by stating, quote, After surviving the falls, I feel life is worth living. Police investigators said the incident was not being treated as a suicide attempt, but that Russell would be undergoing a psychiatric evaluation. For Canadian Broadcast News, I'm Andrew West. My life is simple. 
of impossible beauty. I stand at the foot of the bed. My heart swells at the sight of the sleeping child. I live behind a thousand yard stair and fall into the hole that's opened in the middle of my life. I awake to the cold slap of currents, light lapping my face. The needle, light and wire mesh on the wall. I love and lose my grip above a deep well of city streets. A creature under ice. A cry, an exhale thrown from a body. Whenever I passed on the street, she'd she'd seem preoccupied. She was searching for something, somebody. She she always was a little distracted. Sometimes she'd even walk right by and look right through me. She she seemed to be looking for somebody, and yet there was never anyone there. I awake to the cold slap of currents, light lapping my face. The disappearance, the withdrawing, the pulling back, the disappearing was so. That there was we didn't have the opportunity to go to lock horns and insist that she tell you why you were being cut out, why you were being cut off, because she would just disappear and and withdraw so completely that you couldn't I miss her. Um at least I miss her the way she used to be. Concern. This is harder than I thought it would be, and it's that they will always to go. be in my heart. I'm sorry. I hope I stay in theirs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but this is the only thing I could do for myself. I know this is the easy way out, but I have no one, and I am just too tired. One can try to cope alone, but there are places to go for help, people to go to for help. There are interventions. Questions can be asked. I heard the voice of my mother, and I could see her face at that moment. And I thought nobody can make sure I committed suicide or somebody killed me. She would never know what happened. I think family members that are the most effective, they listen. They listen to the the problems that their spouse, their son, their daughter, their mother, their father, they listen to what is being said and they take it seriously and listens with a uh, unbiased ear. They usually find the clues as best to advise the person. It's really a taboo subject. Should somebody have that thought that they're concerned that, that somebody they know might be suicidal, most people are very afraid to bring that up and wouldn't know how to even begin. 
out of fear of alienating their, their friend or their loved one. Has there been a recent loss through death, divorce, separation, loss of job, loss of money or status or self-esteem? Listen to what they tell you. Good doctors, good pastoral counselors, good social workers and therapists and all of those are some kind of intervention. I would call it treatment. Some people find religion. Uh, I've seen suicidal people in prisons, counseled by peers in prison, and there are medicines that do work, and that can be helpful as well. Other worries about money or illness? Fear of losing control, going crazy, harming oneself? In the darkest the moment in your life, give yourself a moment to think of uh, other people like your mother and your father and your, your children who are your life. You really feel at that moment, big relief. You are the only person who make it happen. Overwhelming guilt, shame, interest in friends or hobbies or sex or favorite activities. Do they have hope? I always think there is hope. I always think that there is hope because there are so many ways to fix these problems and I always think there's hope. For people that sit on that edge between choosing to live and choosing to take their own lives, it is those little everyday things which sustain them, which keep them going. And it, it's not always something profound. Sometimes it's just something as simple as you have to put your kids to bed. It keeps you going to the next day, and then you deal with the next day as it comes. And for those people who sit on that edge, each day is a challenge, and each day that question arises. And I think it takes a tremendous amount of uh, fortitude to, to continue on in that state of mind. We choose to live. Sometimes we choose our own death. In the tunnel of the suicidal mind, no other choice seems possible. But for the doorway in a dark passage, the extended hand, the counselor's ear, a tonic, time, another chance. If you or someone you know is feeling suicidal, please call 1-800-SUICIDE. been listening to a production by Susan Stone of Here There Is No Moon. Cover to Cover Open Book will return at this time next week. If you have any questions or any comments, please call 510-848-6767, extension 212. Thank you for listening to Cover to Cover.
Friday, December 16, WAVE, Women's Antique Vocal Ensemble, presents What Sweeter Music, a concert of glorious English and Spanish Christmas music to benefit early music research and performance with the Scola Cantorum of St. Albert Priory and the instrumental ensemble Alto Sonora at Lake Merritt United Methodist Church, 1330 Lakeshore Avenue, Oakland, 8 p.m., $15 general, $5 students and seniors, wheelchair accessible. Information and directions at www.wavewomen.org. And just a reminder again that the KPFA Local Station Board meets this Saturday at 11 a.m. at the Freight and Salvage, 1111 Addison Street near San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley. Accessible by the North Berkeley BART Station and AC Transit Lines 19, 